630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. With Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Oh my goodness, that's the title track from Poison's album, Flesh and Blood. Poison coming to Commonwealth with Joan Jett, Motley Crew, and a little band you may have heard of called Def Leppard. That's, uh, when is that? Labor Day Sunday. I'm not sure the exact date. I know it's Labor Day Sunday. And I have tickets. It's going to be a blast. Okay. The Oil Kings lead the Broncos 2-1. That is after two. Oil Kings already riding a franchise record 12-game winning streak. I have some good news for you, Oil Country. Final score in Pittsburgh. Vegas Golden Knights 2. Pittsburgh Penguins 5. It is a regulation win for the Penguins. It is Vegas staying at 68 points. The Oilers have 66. The Oilers now have two games in hand for that third and final playoff spot in the Pacific Division. As I was speculating yesterday, it may be an easier path, and there isn't an easy path, but you know what I'm saying, a more uh, probable path for the Oilers to get in by getting in in the division than by getting in through the wild card. Now, I realize in the uh, wild card race, they're only a point behind Dallas, but Dallas has two games in hand. So Vegas struggling, Robin Leonard injured, not sure how long he's going to be out. They lose again in regulation time. And uh, the Oilers with a big opportunity tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Also late in the third, Minnesota trying to hold off Columbus. It is 2-1 for the Wild. Zuccarello has his 19th. Kaprizov has his 30th. Also early, uh, sorry, about uh, coming up on the midway point of the third now. Islanders up 3-2 on the Jets. Blake Wheeler got his eighth of the season, 20 seconds into the third. And starting in about half an hour, it is the Capitals and the Canucks. So that is your look at the scoreboard. But really that game that probably most of you were most interested in, Golden Knights lose in regulation time to the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. That is uh, an L3 now in the streak column for Vegas. And uh, the Oilers can hop up. If, if the Oilers win tomorrow, they'd be placed third because they'd have a better points percentage. They'd have the same number of points and fewer games played. Got to get there first, but we've talked about what the Oilers need. I, I, I said going into that game against Washington, they need 30 points, or pardon me, 32 points the rest of the way. Now that's down to 30. So 15 wins, 14 wins a couple of overtime losses whatever to get there that's probably the plateau 96 points that get you in so that is a very very helpful result for the Oilers this evening now the Oilers played Tampa Bay back on uh, February 23rd Edmonton actually played pretty well in that game but they could not get the victory they fell behind they tried to rally they could not tie it late Jay Woodcroft looking back on that performance well, I, th I thought uh, we did a lot of really good things that night, but we didn't find a way to come up with points in the bank. And so I think when you play a team of the caliber of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time Stanley Cup champions, um, you have to make sure that your, um, your puck security, your ability to guarantee your line or guarantee... 
the other team's line to make uh, that decor turn and go back for pucks and work them in their own end. I think the better you can do that, um, the better served you are uh, as the game moves forward. They also proved that night, even though we, we felt we had a really good night, that they don't need a lot of chances uh, in order to and um, so, uh, you know, our, our puck play is going to be important. Our detail defensively is going to be very important. And it's going to require a full 60-minute effort from all, all 20 dressed. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I thought the Oilers had a really good game in Tampa. I thought it was the good old low event game. Um, you know, Smith's save percentage wasn't great. You could also argue that there were a couple of bounces around the net that went Tampa Bay's way, uh, but the Oilers couldn't get the win. Edmonton coming off a really good performance against Washington. So I think that's going to be a good matchup tomorrow night. Uh, and again, as Dave Randorf was telling you, this is the first time all season the Lightning have lost back-to-back -back games in regulation time. It's their worst slump of the year. They've lost two in a row. Pretty, uh, pretty amazing team. Obviously, they're you know they're up there with uh, Carolina, Florida, in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. So uh, Zach Hyman, looking back on that previous meeting as well. No, I think every game's different, but I think that you have a little bit more of a sense of familiarity with what they're doing with the players over there, especially with guys who haven't played against that team in, in a long, long time. Obviously, before the last game. So, um, but yeah, having said that, just you know they're a good team. We're a good team. Let's go out there and. And play our game. I think you, you have to play your game and you can highlight certain things that they do, but you don't get consumed with what they do. All right, that is Zach Hyman, who scored a really nice goal against the Lightning. Remember, Drysaddle hit him with that long pass and he cut in and scored on the backhand. That pulled the Oilers within 4-2 late in the second period. McDavid got uh, the Oilers back within a goal, but Kucherov got a late empty netter to win that one. Hyman was also asked today about, uh, you know, now his impressions of, of Jay Woodcroft that he's had him at as, as a coach here for almost a month approachable I think he's he's a younger coach he's somebody you can go up and talk to and and relate to I think uh, I think his knowledge of the game is is excellent I think that he's, just, he's a great teacher and very clear and concise with with what he's trying to convey I think that's you know really important in a coach um, and I think he's done a, a really good job I think it's, it's it's not easy coming in middle of this season you know being a new head coach in the league and, and trying to trying to get a group of guys to buy into what you're doing and I think that he's done a, a really good job in, in doing that uh, I should correct myself. I said almost a month, actually a month plus a day. It was February 10th that Woodcroft took over from Dave Tippett. And just to kind of wrap up the story here, I asked Craig McTavish about it earlier, the non-call, the hook by Ovechkin on Hyman when Hyman was looking for an empty netter that would have put it away late in the third for the Oilers. Hyman was uh, asked about that play today. I thought it was a hook, but uh, listen, I mean, the end result was, was in our favor, obviously, and clearly I think the refs just didn't see it, so everybody makes mistakes and errors. It's part of the game. Players do, refs do, and uh, just unfortunate timing. Again, with that play, uh, and I, I talked to somebody who would know about making those calls, said it, that Hyman was not in the clear enough for that to have been an awarded goal, which referees can do if a player's going to score into an empty net or has a clear path into an empty net and a penalty is committed against him, the referees can award a goal on the play. 
And I was told that wouldn't have been the situation there, but clearly should have been a penalty. Oilers and Lightning tomorrow, 6.30 for the face-off show. Game at 8. Miko Koskinen going to be in goal for the Oilers. Looks like, uh, again, not totally confirmed, but it looks like Josh Archibald is going to play on the fourth line with Malone and Cassian. There will be baseball. They got it figured out. Uh, a guy that I enjoy watching on the Sportsnet Blue Jays broadcast, Jamie Campbell, is going to weigh in when we get back to Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, again, Penguins 5, Golden Knights 2. That's a good one. Oilers remain only two points behind Vegas for third in the Pacific Division. Well, there was uh, a lot of worry about the future of the Major League Baseball season, but uh, they did get a deal done. Let's go down to Florida. He's covering Blue Jays spring training from Sportsnet. It's our buddy Jamie Campbell. Jamie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing well, Reed. Thank you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I always enjoy our, our chats, and I was starting to think, I'm wondering if we're going to have a, 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 a need to call on Jamie Campbell. Is there, is there going to be baseball? <laughs> what was <laughs> it's it? It seemed now you follow this much closer than I do. Cause you know, I, I'm doing a lot of Oilers stuff, obviously. So I'll just tell you what, what I was thinking over the past week and reading. I, I saw a lot of doom and gloom and how many games are we going to miss and when's it going to start? And then all of a sudden we, we got a deal and we're still going to play 162. T- tell me how this, this played out and how we finally got to having a season well first of all i was always optimistic that there would be a form of a season i wasn't convinced it was going to be 162 and the reason i was confident was because major league baseball as an entity is making so much money these days that for you know, the, the quote-unquote millionaires and billionaires who were fighting over this giant pie and how to divide it weren't stupid enough to give up on such a revenue-generating machine. So my thinking was, there's no chance they're going to wipe out an entire season just because they can't get themselves into a room and come to some kind of an agreement, even if it's short-term and figure this thing out Um, as much for the money that they're all bound to make as for the damage that they could conceivably do to the sport and might already have done. Uh, It takes, takes me three minutes to surf through my Twitter feed to see that some people are already fed up with what they've just witnessed and aren't coming back. And that's their uh, prerogative. Um, But it was weird for me to fly into Dunedin and show up at the Blue Jays' massive complex just yesterday and have the general manager wander over to say hello and acknowledge how quiet things are without the major leaguers around. And he wasn't so sure when it was all going to come to fruition. And the next day, we arrive at the park again, and here comes Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez and Danny Jansen, and that deal changed everything. So... I don't think I'd bore you with some of the details as to why it was accomplished. Uh, The players are in a much better position than they were a year ago, but I guess they're not necessarily in the position they want to be in long-term. Still, we won't have to worry about that for five years, and opening day, at least for the Blue Jays, is on the 8th of April 
So my hope is that uh, if you're a baseball fan and you're excited by this, how we got to this point, I would highly encourage letting it go and just enjoy the fact that we're going to have a season beginning April 8th. Well, uh, uh, fair enough. Uh, fair enough for sure. It, it is interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to reference a book I read several, several years ago, Lords of the Realm by uh, uh, John Helliar, which mm -hmm. is kind of the history of baseball from a business perspective and, and like the distrust and animosity between owners and players kind of goes back to the 1880s when there was first yes. organized <laughs> yes, professional it does. baseball. Like you talk about, we talk a lot about culture of teams and sports. It seems of the big four in North America, that animosity is a bigger part of the culture than it might be in the NHL, NFL, and NBA. It's certainly the most documented. There's no question about that. I mean, the, the disdain between owners and players you know, you can read the, the wonderful stories, not so wonderful, I guess, if you were a player about the, uh, the, the, the Chicago White Sox of the 1910s, the team that eventually threw a World Series because they were so disenchanted with the money that they weren't making. Um, and the tale that uh, as much as they were called the Black Sox eventually for um, conspiring to throw a World Series, it was actually a term that was generated years earlier because the owner was too cheap to wash their white jerseys. And oftentimes they would show up at the ballpark for a home game and wear jerseys that were filthy because the owner didn't want to pitch in for the laundry charges. And that tells you everything you need to know about the relationship between owners and players for so many years. Um, I'm, re I'm reading right now this wonderful book written by Catfish Hunter before he passed away in the late 80s about uh, the hatred, the hatred of the players who comprised the 1972, 73, and 74 thrice World Series champion Oakland A's for their owner, Charles Finley, who was as cheap as they come, but, you know, as an owner of a major league team that was quite successful was actually making a lot of money. He just didn't want to share it with anybody. So, you know, this this um, relationship is nothing new. I'm sure in five years there'll be a contentious negotiation. I hope not. But the way things go, it probably will be. Well, see, uh, now we can uh, literally talk about airing dirty laundry on Inside Sports, so I'm glad you told that story about the uniforms. Uh, <laughs> J.P. Campbell from Sportsnet joining us tonight. Okay, so they're going to play. Uh, thanks for going over that stuff. On the field, uh, Blue Jays, uh, what do you think? I mean, you mentioned some of the players you saw, some of the big names. Uh, how are they looking? Well, first of all, their rotation ranks, in my estimation, somewhere in the easily in the top five in the American league, quite possibly two or three, um, you know, led by Kevin Gosman just acquired through free agency, Jose Barrios, who was signed to an extension in the off season, Alec Manoa, who got about three quarters of major league time last year and pitched like a front end starter. Hyunjin Ryu, who's um, one of the great control artists of the game these days, who is going to nicely slot into a fourth spot in that rotation. And then, you know, whether it's Ross Stripling or somebody else, they're going to have to figure out who's going to follow up those top four. Uh, the pitching's really good. The relief pitching is stable based on the fact there are so many players returning, whether it's Trevor Richards or Adam Simber or the closer Jordan Romano. 
So that aspect's in pretty good shape. And um, as the hitters go, one of the most dangerous teams in the American League will stay that way uh, in 2022. What they are going to need to do is go out and address the fact that they really don't have a productive everyday third baseman. And now that Marcus Simeon's gone to Texas, they really don't have a productive second baseman. So um, those are two pretty important positions on a ball diamond. How they'll address those, I'm unsure. Through free agency, probably the best route. In that route, you don't have to give up prospect capital. You're just surrendering cash, so to speak. Um, but there are lots of teams out there who have made it very well known, the Oakland A's and the Cincinnati Reds come to mind, that they are willing right now to dismantle their franchises and trade away solid players. So if the Blue Jays can swing a deal and use some of that prospect capital, then that's the way they're going to approve. But what I do know about this team is that they are finished their quote-unquote rebuilding phase. And I think last year proved that they missed the playoffs by an eyelash. And frankly, they feel that now in the next five years is probably their window of opportunity, and they better darn well take advantage of it. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm glad you're going to be talking about uh, actual games rather than uh, <laughs> lockouts, labor negotiations, because I've been through that <laughs> with, with yes. the National Hockey League. The games are way better, trust me. And I'm sure you know oh, hey. that too. I spent I spent far many far too many hours at the Northlands Coliseum uh, interviewing then player rep Bill Ranford of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, and and it was a painful episode in sports history, uh, certainly in my sports history. And uh, I'm just so glad that we're not here talking about the possibility of replacement players or what it's going to be like to have a season begin sometime in June. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, no kidding. Thanks, Jamie. That is Jamie Campbell checking in tonight, uh, the host of the Blue Jays broadcast on Sportsnet. Used to work right here in Edmonton. He's a great guy, knows his stuff. Always love having him on the show. Also want to update that game at the Briar between Botcher and Gushu, two of the big guns going at it. Well, they're not firing away tonight. In the sixth, it is one nothing for Gushu. As he comes into this game 8-0, and Botcher is 7-1. and So one nothing for Gushu as they are in the sixth. The Oil Kings leading the Broncos 2-1. That's about two minutes into the third period. Okay, it's the Blue Jackets beating the Wild 3-2 in overtime. Uh, they just scored. Uh, Wierenski tied it with about 32 seconds left in the third. So a bit of a dramatic finish there in the Blue Jackets. Uh, or pardon me, it went to a shootout. It went to a shootout. Uh, shootout win Blue Jackets over the Wild. Islanders lead the Jets 4-2 with about five minutes left. And uh, as I've been stressing tonight, the Penguins beat the Golden Knights 5-2. Oilers and Lightning tomorrow here on 6.30. Chad, face-off show at 6.30. The game will start at 8. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. Chris Gardner, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.